Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussion stories and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Dr. Irvin Scott about his thoughts on global citizenship. Dr. Scott is a professor at Harvard Graduate School of Education. He shares some of his journey as an educator who sought after opportunities in school leadership to transform the lives of his community. He brings insights from an extensive portfolio working in classrooms, school districts, and foundations about what it means to cultivate new school leaders. Enjoy the conversation. So my name is Irvin Scott. I am a faculty member at Harvard Graduate School of Education, uh, where I teach, for the most part, education leadership uh, to aspiring education leaders, both in the U.S. as well as international global context. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott, for, for joining me on this podcast. I'm very, very happy to, to have you and to learn more about your incredible journey as an educator, uh, how how you got to to Harvard and all the wonderful, important work that you're doing uh, at Harvard and beyond, right? Because so much of the work at Harvard is to inspire future leaders, yes, but you have quite a portfolio, uh, quite a track record of uh, inspiring and making impact in communities uh, all across the U.S. Uh, and in different uh, ways around the globe, you know, um, in the ecosystem. So not just within schools, but also if you've worked in a foundation, um, you know, I, I'd love to hear more about that work as well. Um, so, you know, the first question I wanted to ask, and this is kind of like to put paint on the, the blank canvas, right? To kind of understand who is Irvin Scott, right? As an educator, if you could take me through a, a couple important milestones of your career as an educator, uh, to to get to this point. Uh, I think that would really help to kind of set uh, our, our conversation about global citizenship. Absolutely. So I think um, it probably the best place to start is with my teaching career. Uh, I started as a high school teacher uh, here in the state of Pennsylvania, which is where I am now, by the way. I, I'm at Harvard, but I go back and forth between Cambridge, Massachusetts and Pennsylvania, primarily in support of my parents. Um, but I grew up in Pennsylvania, um, went to at Millersville University, Temple University, and then began my teaching at um, a high school, urban high school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I was a high school English teacher which I loved for many years, for about 11 years. Um, and in, in that job, it was all about um, trying to have as many transformative teaching and learning experiences for high school students uh, as possible on a daily basis. So I did that work for many years before running a nonprofit uh, for multiple cities in South Central Pennsylvania. Uh, and then coming back to be a principal at the high school where I was a teacher for several years before going to Harvard, working on my degree, um, and then going on to 
um, lead in Boston Public Schools, overseeing the high schools in Boston, eventually the chief academic officer before, the going, before going to the Gates Foundation. But all of the, the work that I've done, there's been sort of a couple of through lines. One is it's been focused on um, or, uh, marginalized students that don't get equal opportunities. Um, and it's been focused on creating leadership um, spaces for me to operate in. So having as much impact as I possibly could which oftentimes meant me seeking a leadership role so that I could inspire and lead others on behalf of those communities. Um, so that's been sort of a real quick overview of my trajectory. Thank you, thank you so much for that. I mean, you probably could uh, go off for, for hours and hours about the many stories you've had uh, really you know, crafting those transformational um, transformative and transformational um, learning experiences with your students and to see that you have been in so many different spaces and always advocating for for you know the, that those groups uh, that you found um, most um, in need deserving um, you know to really uh, apply impact uh, when it comes to um, you know people of color marginalized communities as well in broad sense I wanted to ask you know with all of these experiences that you've had, um, especially as an educator, um, you know, there's there's something about the kind of like energy that comes from seeing uh, the lights go off, right, in in, in the student's eyes. Um, and I kind of wanted to ask, like, um, if if you can maybe unpack what that is for the, those listeners who don't really know what that's like. I mean, so many images of uh, you know teachers is kind of like a dreary room uh, with mm -hmm. everyone facing the front and the teacher who is stressed out and tired. Um, that is not the case and has never been the case with you. You exude energy. And um, and so, like, how, how is it like, you know, that kind of exchange between teacher, learner, like student, right, uh, professor now? Uh, what is that like for you? Uh, I think, I think the way I would answer this is by putting it back on your listeners and asking them this question. Has there been an, an educator or a person, um, so it could be a family member, but try to push yourself into sort of a traditional education experience, elementary, middle, high school, or whatever the structure might be, where an educator had an outsized influence on your life. Um, it may have been about content. Like you did not under you did not know that math could be that exciting, or you did not know that you could get so excited about understanding geography and and how the world existed, um, or literature, or poetry, or humanities, or history, whatever. I suspect that you're your um, listeners, if I ask them to come up with one teacher, at least one teacher who's had that kind of influence on them, like I would pause right now and say, I'm going to have everyone who's listening do that. Come up with that one teacher and give you 10 seconds. I suspect every single one of you came up with a teacher. 
Well, ask yourself, what was it about that experience that caused you to mention that teacher's name? And whatever it was, and there are a myriad of things, it might be that they were like so jazzed about content, or maybe they just really cared, or maybe they they treated you like you were the most special person. They had 20 other students in the classroom, or maybe they had this sense of humor that just blew your mind and you didn't know there was something called sense of humor until you engage with whatever it was. That's what I'm talking about. That's the experience that I'm ultimately trying to have when I'm a teacher. Even now, you're one of my students. That's the type of experience I'm trying to replicate. Um, and that's the type of experience I try to create the conditions for, for people who teach for like in this school that I was or other principals who are leading other schools. It's that experience because that experience is what learning is all about. That experience is what transformational education is all about. We've all had it for the most part. I'd say 95% of the people who I just answered came up with a name. And so the question is, how do you replicate that experience as often as possible for as many children as possible and these students as possible on a daily basis? Again, it's hard to say it's because of this, because for, for everyone who answered that question, it was for, it was for different reasons, I suspect. Um, but that's what we're trying to ultimately replicate. Wow, I love I love this phrasing of outsized influence on your life. I, I think that's so true. Um, and you know, it in in some ways, like maybe that that person, that individual had had set the conditions for that to happen, right? That they they prepared. Uh, maybe they had no idea that that was the effect that happened. Mm. I, I feel um, that how to replicate that is such a, a, a complex question, but a burning desire in many educators to have that impact uh, that, that that you were speaking of, that that you've had uh, and continue to have with your your students. And um, and you know, I, I think it's this engagement uh, between like when when the connection happens, right? The linkage, it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? That just there's that space that's held uh, and then suddenly everything flows, right? Almost as if it was like a dam uh, with the water is, is blocked. And then once the rocks and sticks actually kind of come through and fall away, you see this rush. And I think yeah. that dynamic energy that flows is so important. And it's um, something, you know, that we, we call learning, but, but I mean, just in that simple analogy is like my best attempt to articulate that. Um, so, you know, in, in the ways in which you've had this outsized impact, outsized influence uh, across many different leadership roles, um, I wanted to ask a kind of question that um, speaks to like the kind of dichotomy of local versus global. If you could maybe recall a particular moment in, in your career where you clearly saw your impact being both global, uh, local and global at the same time, right? Maybe... Mm. It kind of happened simultaneously, or maybe you saw one kind of take shape and then extend to the other. Um, it, you could draw from when you were a teacher, when you were a principal at the Gates Foundation, 
currently, um, you know, uh, at the, the Harvard Graduate School of Education um, in your capacity uh, as co-chair and professor, um, whatever you choose. Well, I think th I, I'd answer that a couple of ways. One is, um, in a literal sense, most of my teaching, even my leadership has been pretty local, uh, definitely in the classroom. Um, and uh, especially early on, right? So I'm teaching several hundred students a year at McCaskey in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That's all local. But there's another way that that teaching becomes global in that you're, that's the wonderful thing about teaching. It's, it's like, a, it's like um, if I could use a uh, uh, nature, natural metaphor, um, you're planting a seed, not all seeds that drop length actually take root where they fall. They are picked up and they are moved through the winds or whatever. Um, they're picked up through the natural process of animals eating them and then going off to other places and depositing those seeds. Uh, but so what ends up happening is the seed is planted, the seed um, actually uh, is produced but it may uh, produce fruit way beyond where it ultimately uh, originated. And so I know plenty of students who are all over the place who I've had in my local context who are shaping the world in a more state, national, and global context. Um, and um, that's, that's happened since I was a high school English teacher. That's happening even more now because I have students like yourself who are all over the place. And they are, I had a wonderful conversation with one of your colleagues today who is in India and doing work in India. Um, he engages with me very locally on a weekly basis in my classroom, but his impact from my classroom is very global. Um, and I, like many students, even for the ones that are US-based, local engagement, community suggests local. Um, but there's a way to think about community that is very national, is very global. And that is basically the human, the humanity of the community. We're all um, connected from the standpoint of um, uh, humanity. Um, and so that's another way to think about both this local and global perspective. I think one should assume Actually, it's probably a good assumption on the part of educators that as you mutually deposit, right? When I say mutually deposit, I don't want to send this notion that educators are just pouring into these empty receptacles we also receive. So as, as this mutual deposit happens, both we receive and we pour, one should assume that it will always end up beyond the existence or context in which it happened. And so everything that happens locally, you can assume has the potential of going globally. And that's why education is so powerful because there's just really no end to it. You just, you're just not, not sure. It, you just never know how it's going to end up. That's, that's the hope of it. And that's why it's so important for others to get it so they're not in a state of isolation uh, all their lives so 
long that's, answer. That's a great answer. I love that. Um, I'm all about the the analogy of like planting seeds. Um, and it, it makes me think about how teachers um, or anyone it could be, it doesn't have to be a teacher or an educator who plants that seed, who sparks that that interest, right? That love of learning, curiosity. But that's a cause that you make. And it's one that will not necessarily take root or will take root over a number of years. And so there's this mm. long-term perspective that is needed. And there's this trust, I think, on our part that we 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 see the potential. Mm -hmm. We do our best to nurture the the conditions. Uh, I mean, like the, the student and set those conditions. But where that that impact uh, or the, where that individual will make their impact can be anywhere in the world. And it's kind of like Absolutely. the world is their stage, right? Um, and you know, thinking of the um, the, the seed, uh, the, the cause itself makes me think of uh, you know this this notion within Buddhism of you know the law of cause and effect. And so mm -hmm. as soon as you make the cause, the effect is actually like planted together. It's it's simultaneous, and that whether it manifests immediately or years and years, who knows how long into the future. Um, there's this power of like making causes in the present. And so I wanted to ask you, um, cause I know that, you know, uh, you know, it would, we, it, this would not be a conversation with Dr. Scott if, uh, you know, faith and spirituality did not kind of, uh, make some connection to this discussion about educating, uh, you know, future leaders and also leaders for the world. But how does your faith, um, background inform your your vision for mm. global leaders and global citizens? Yeah, I would say in three ways. One is it's a sense of calling, uh, which basically means, well, I'll give the ways, calling, transcendence, and scale. Calling, uh, there's a sense that this is more than a job for me. Um, what whoever one ascribes a source in their faith in my from my faith perspective i would use god i would use um sort of these anchor um vestiges of my faith um like i i this is not just something i happened to do right that i just settled on as a profession, I feel like um, I was put here for this reason. And um, and so there's this higher calling that I'm living out in doing the work. Now, it just happens to be something that I absolutely love and feel like I'm gifted for. So there is a sense of calling. The other is transcendence. I think the, the thing about faith that's so important is it um it calls one to a higher level beyond sort of our day-to-day -day existence realities challenges joys whatever like um we try to transcend the space and place that we're in on a daily basis and it's very much connected to this notion of calling um there were, I think it was, who was it? James Thoreau, uh, who uh, sort of was the father of transcendentalism, was this idea of 
believing that there was a higher point that is above all of us that we're trying to transcend toward. And as a result, we are all simultaneously connected. Absolutely. And so there's this- That with us, this, David Henry Thoreau, and Henry, yeah. also uh, Emerson too. Emerson, Emerson, that's the other name I was yeah. thinking about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Walden Pond. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this notion of transcendence is uh, transcendentalism. Um, is an important one. And then um, scale. Uh, I think when you think, at least for me, when I think those ways of calling sort of beyond my uh, sort of physical existence, transcendentalism, from which me is a spiritual concept and not just a theoretical concept, then it's hard not to go to the next step, which is all around um, touching as many lives as possible scale um there's a lot of need there's a lot of um there's just a lot of people including myself who are in a position of need and desiring hope and connection and so when you think that way Although you're very focused locally, I'm not trying to take on all of the world's problems. I am suggesting that there isn't a limit. There is no limit to you pouring out to others. Wow. I feel like listeners can just pause here and just soak that in because that was a lot of... Uh... That was a lot of wisdom and and it's so powerful. I think the way, not not just what you shared, but the way that you shared, it's very clear that there is alignment with how you approach your profession, how you approach just living <laughs> um, as learning. And um, and you've clearly, you know, in this short amount of time, um, you know, given us many, um, you know, you've planted many different seeds uh, for us to to, you know, sit with to to watch and and grow and and see what what fruit bears later. So um, this has been truly you know a wonderful uh, conversation with you, Dr. Scott. I, I appreciate you taking this time. Uh, and I wanted to give you know the last minute. Um, if there's any any comments that you would like to make, um, just broadly speaking about this concept of global citizenship, we've kind we haven't directly addressed it head on. Um, but just, I'm, I'm curious to hear, like, if what, what kind of resonance does it have with you in this current moment? Well, first of all, let me commend you on doing this, Scott. Um, I think we're living in a time where it's easier for people to sort of retract, go back into sort of our individual um, trying to think of a pot, more positive word than caves. Like a cocoon, maybe? <laughs> cocoon is better, but uh, the, I, was, I was thinking cave, so mm -hmm. cocoon is better. Um, but uh, uh, and, and sort of and or be more tribal. If we're going to if we're going to go back to something, it's going to go back to everybody who's like us. There's safety in that, which to me is antithetical to globalism. 
it's antithetical to this notion of calling and transcendence and scale and connection. Um, and so what does it mean to be a global citizen? Uh, I don't know exactly the definition, but I don't think it means hanging out with people to just look like us and act like us and think like us. Um, I don't think that's what it is. Um, I don't think it's about, I don't think global citizenship is about isolationism. Uh, I don't think global citizenship is about um, starving oneself from the examples of diversity that are out there. I think it's it's opening up to all of that. And while some would consider that to be risky because we don't know what it means to be global outside of that, uh, outside of our local context, it also probably means we're missing amazing opportunities um, that could make us as well as the world uh, better. And so this is sort of more of a theoretical perspective on it. You can, and I would encourage your listeners to actually get to the place where, and you're probably in deeper or longer conversations than the one I'm having here, where you're actually saying, okay, what does that mean tactically, strategically, technically, programmatically? Because people like me can get caught up in conceptual theories, but at some point in time, people need to know what does it actually look like on the ground to be a global citizen? I'm giving sort of an argument why it's an important concept, but I would encourage you to push your future um, guests to say, okay, how does that look in your context and what would you propose to get there? Thank you so much, Dr. Scott, for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciated the way with which you spoke about teaching, uh, being an educator, and uh, you likened it to planting seeds. And uh, I can really see that so like, you know, visually, and, um, and it's so symbolic of the, the power that each action, each word and thought that we have, um, and the impact that that has on those around us. And to see that bear fruit later in the future, I think is, is one of the most gratifying things as a, as a teacher. And, and you articulate it so wonderfully using that analogy. And the fact that um, you, you bring together insight from your own um, faith. And you provided these three points for us to consider uh, moving forward about the intersection between learning, education, and faith. So having it be more than just a job, having it be a calling, and the aspect of transcending the kind of um, lived experiences that we see on the ground with the higher, more elevated aspirations for our students, and then the calling that requires, it really asks us of us to go above and beyond, um, but to see the purpose, not to lose sight of that, and to touch as many lives as possible. I feel that that is so important, it's so relevant for teachers to keep close 
close to their hearts and you know front of mind so i appreciate you highlighting those and then really taking us uh, up on uh, well putting us in this kind of situation of well what does this look like on the ground right not to allow it just to be um, kind of words theoretical just kind of out in the clouds but to really see how can we take this uh, further and to uh, apply it in our local context that's something that I definitely um, will, will be doing in my work as a teacher and for those listening I hope that you also take up the call and uh, you know do your best to implement global citizenship ideals through your actions and through your work so once again thank you so much dr scott and look forward to having you on the podcast again Thank you.